What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another new release Monday here on Cinemac Reviews. You can find this episode and the entire Cinemac Reviews library on all your favorite podcast listening services. You can also support the show by giving it a star rating. I appreciate all the support out there. I'm your host, Chris, and today I return to the MCU with the highly anticipated film Thor Love and Thunder, starring Chris Hemsworth, Christian Bale, Tessa Thompson, and Natalie Portman. There's a lot to talk about, so let's just jump right into it with some facts. Love and Thunder was released on July 8th, 2022, and was directed by Taika Waititi. He's best known for Thor Ragnarok, Jojo Rabbit, Hunt for the Wilder People, What We Do in the Shadows, and Boy. As of yesterday, Love and Thunder crossed the $300 million mark worldwide off of a $250 million budget. This makes it the biggest production out of all the Thor films. Christian Bale initially turned down the possibility of starring in any more superhero or comic book films after The Dark Knight Rises. He accepted the role of Gore, the God Butcher, after his kids begged him to do it. Love and Thunder marks the eighth time that Chris Hemsworth has played Thor. It also marks the biggest he has ever been physically. Hemsworth got up to 231 pounds while eating eight times a day during filming in order to maintain the muscle mass. Thor's vest has an image of a tree-like structure formed from the nine orbs. This is a rendering of the world tree that depicts the nine realms. Hemsworth's son plays young Thor during the opening montage, and his daughter plays Gore's daughter, Love. Hemsworth's wife also makes a cameo as Thor's ex-lover, Wolfwoman. Bale almost dropped out of the film due to scheduling conflicts. He usually prefers a much wider gap between projects, but his kids convinced him to keep going to, and to make it work. In the comics, Gore's powers are shared with the symbiotic beings like Venom or Carnage. The film version of Gore gets his powers from another source due to the symbiotes currently belonging to Columbia Pictures. Love and Thunder, Multiverse of Madness, and No Way Home were all filmed at the same time along with Ant-Man, Quantumania, and the Marvels, which come out next year. Lastly, Thor is the only MCU character to have four standalone films. Now, let's get to my reaction to Thor Love and Thunder. So first, I'll give my spoiler-free review, and then for the rest of the episode, we'll be in full spoiler territory. If you're an MCU fan or just a fan of superhero movies in general, I highly recommend seeing Love and Thunder. It's a very fun and entertaining film for the whole family. Hemsworth and Portman kill it as Thor and Mighty Thor. They have such awesome chemistry together that could rival Peter and MJ or even Tony and Pepper. As for the villain, Bale is terrific as Gore the God Butcher. He's easily a top tier MCU villain right up there with Vulture and Thanos. He is so compelling but extremely creepy when he needs to be. Taika nails it once again with Thor and gives everyone something to walk away from the film with. For me, it was the Taika humor. I was constantly laughing, and I think that was the main goal of the film, to give the audience something to laugh about while also telling a dark and compelling story. I may have been laughing throughout the film, but it wasn't always rainbows. There were definitely devastating moments that made me feel heartbreak. Ignore all the bad reviews, because this is a very fun film to see in theaters. Go have a great time with the family and get lost in the world of the MCU. Now is the time to pause the episode if you haven't seen Love and Thunder yet, because we are in full spoiler territory from here on out. 
Those screaming goats, man. Am I the only one that wants one now? I thought it would get old after the first couple times, but I laughed every time I heard those screams, especially when the ship crashes into the Shadow World. It was such a smart choice for Taika to include Thor's goats from the comics. I believe their names are Tooth Grinder and Tooth Nasher, if I remember right. I hope they show up again in the MCU, whether it's in the next Thor movie or some other MCU project. As you can probably tell, I really love this film. It's my favorite MCU project of the year and one of my favorites out of Phase 4 so far. It's right up there with Spider-Man No Way Home for me. I had a freaking blast watching it in theaters. Hemsworth kills it once again as Thor. We get the goofy, lovable Thor from Ragnarok returning, and it's perfect. This is the version of Thor I wish we would have gotten from the very beginning. But better late than ever, I always say. His new suits are badass, and I love the running gag of him treating Stormbreaker as the current partner and Milner as the ex-partner. I laughed every time that they played with that joke. This leads into Natalie Portman as James Foster, a.k.a. the Mighty Thor. Portman is so good in this film, and I've grown to love the Jane Foster character after seeing her become Mighty Thor. She's a terrific actress, but I wasn't a huge fan of the Jane character back in the first Thor or Thor the Dark World. Her and Hemsworth have always had great chemistry on screen. I just don't think the Jane character was written in the best way. Taika, I think, redeemed that for me in Love and Thunder. I absolutely love her as Jane now, even before she becomes Mighty Thor. All the cancer stuff is heartbreaking, and it hits personally for me. I've watched people close to me lose the battle against cancer, so it definitely hit home. It was also a great choice bringing back Darcy, who is played by the fantastic Kat Dennings. She showed up back in WandaVision, which was awesome, but her showing up in Thor Love and Thunder hit even harder for me. I did a Thor rewatch marathon before going to Love and Thunder in the theaters, so seeing Darcy sitting next to Jane while she does her chemo treatment was so bittersweet. I was really happy that they went the cancer route instead of the multiverse in order to bring Mighty Thor into the MCU. I'm honestly a little burnt out from the MCU, the multiverse stuff in the MCU, especially with Multiverse of Madness being a bit of a letdown. I was hoping Taika would stay away from the multiverse, and he totally delivered. It made the film more special to me, knowing that he followed the comics. I love Jane Foster as Mighty Thor. She was such a joy on screen. She got totally jacked for the role, and I was very impressed with her dedication to do that. The catchphrase gag got a little annoying after a while, but I didn't dwell on it too much because not every joke is going to hit. As much fun as I have watching Ragnarok or Guardians of the Galaxy, not every joke hits for me. Overall, though, I absolutely loved her in this film which made the ending even more devastating. Jane unfortunately dies at the end of their battle with Gore. Towards the end, we learn that wielding Milner is actually killing her instead of saving her. She decides to will Milner one last time in order to save Thor and help him defeat Gore. We get a very touching scene where Thor and Jane say goodbye to each other before she turns to gold dust like Odin did in Ragnarok. It's truly heartbreaking, but I think it was a fitting end to the character. Having the Guardians show up for the first part of the film was so awesome. I loved every scene they were in. Chris Pratt Star-Lord always has great interactions with Thor. Rocket is one of my favorite characters of the MCU, so him popping up made me, made me even more excited for the film, even though he was only in a couple of scenes. I can't wait for Guardians 3 to come out next year, and I really hope Thor shows up in it. Now, Christian Bale's Gore the God Butcher is such a phenomenal villain. He's definitely a top-tier villain for me. He was so compelling, but creepy as fuck. 
The opening scene laying out his origin story was so well done from both the acting and the writing. I got a lot of the same vibes from him as I did Thanos. He actually made a lot of good points throughout the film. At a couple moments, I thought to myself, shit, Gore might be right on this one. But in the end, he was still the villain of the story. He chose the wrong path as a grieving father. The standout scene for me was him scaring the kidnapped kids out by cutting the freaking head off of a snake. He was so freaking creepy in that scene. I think the choice of making his appearance different from the comics was the right choice. Because from what I remember, he would have looked way too much like Voldemort from Harry Potter. Bale really dove in headfirst into the creepy side of gore, and I absolutely loved it. It's disappointing that he got his powers from a different source than he does in the comics, but I completely understand that Marvel's hands were probably tied due to Sony being in control of all things symbiote. Taika made it work, though. We got the Necro Sword, which is so awesome. His powers to summon evil shadow creatures were also very cool and very well done from a technical standpoint. Like Jane, Gore dies, but he's able to redeem himself somewhat by using his wish to bring back his daughter instead of wishing that all the gods were dead. I think it was a very smart choice to have Thor kind of adopt her at the end of the film. I look forward to seeing her more and teaming up with the other new Marvel characters like America Chavez or even Miss Marvel. The title Love and Thunder also makes more sense after watching it. At first you think it's referring to Jane and Thor, which in a way it does, but ultimately it's a reference to Thor and his adopted partner, Gore's daughter, who is referred to as Love. The action was so terrific in this film. The opening battle with Thor teaming up with the Guardians against the owl-looking creatures was so awesome. I'm instantly sucked in as soon as Welcome to the Jungle kicks on and we see Thor go to work. The Van Damme kicks was a really nice touch to the choreography. I laughed so hard when he did those. The choreography overall is so terrific throughout the film. I love Mighty Thor's power that splits Milner into pieces and shoots them at her enemies. It was so visually pleasing. This movie in general was such a visual treat. The, day design, the design of the Shadow World was so insane, and the fight in it was also so cool. Thor giving his power to the kids for a limited time only was also really fun. Shout out to the little girl that chose to use her stuffed rabbit as a weapon. I love that its power was shooting freaking lasers out of its eyes. My only real negatives I have about Love and Thunder is one, the humor not hitting 100% of the time, and the lack of big memorable moments. The humor in Love and Thunder was like a shotgun blast. Most of them hit, but there are a few that miss. It's similar to what James Gunn does with the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I think Taika does it a little better though, and Ragnarok is a clear example of that. Russell Crowe's Zeus was a clear aim at making the audience laugh, but it didn't work for me, unfortunately. I think his take on Zook was, Zeus was way too far out there. The accent definitely didn't do it for me. There were a couple funny moments involving him, but overall, that's about it. It just didn't work for me. I was glad when Thor threw the bolt through his chest, but unfortunately, the post credit scene proves that he isn't dead, so that's kind of disappointing to me. It was a pretty hype post credit scene, though, with Hercules coming to the MCU. I'm really excited to see what Kevin Foggy has planned for him. Now, with the lack of big MCU moments in the film, it's very disappointing that there isn't really any. The closest is either the montage of Thor getting back into shape or the arrival of Mighty Thor during the battle at New Asgard. But still, those aren't Cap getting Milner in Endgame or Thor jumping down to the Emigrant Song in Ragnarok level. Regardless, though, I still absolutely love this film. 
It's a five out of five star MCU film for me. I hope Emsworth plays Thor for another 10 years or at least for a few more movies. If I had to predict, I would say he either shows up in the next Avengers-like movie or Thor 5. From the rumors that I have been reading online, it sounds like Captain America 4 is going to be an Avengers-style film like Civil War was. So Thor popping up there is the most likely if it were to be another character's film. Either way, I'm super excited to see what the future holds for Hemsworth's Thor and his newest partner, Love. So they end the episode. Let's see where Thor, Love and Thunder falls in the rankings. This was a very tough ranking to do. But first, let's talk about where I rank it against the previous Thor films. Right now, I have Ragnarok at number one, The Dark World at number two, and at the bottom, the first Thor movie. I think Love and Thunder is way better overall than The Dark World and the first Thor movie. The question is, is it better than Ragnarok? The answer, fortunately, is no. Ragnarok has more top MCU moments than Love and Thunder. I actually can't think of a single moment in Love and Thunder that I would put in the top 10 list of the MCU moments. That doesn't mean it's a terrible movie by any means. To me, it just means that Ragnarok was something really special overall. Christian Bale's gore is definitely better of a villain than Hela, but overall, Ragnarok is still a better movie. So looking at the overall MCU rankings, we have Spider-Man No Way Home at number one, followed by Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man Homecoming, Captain America The Winter Soldier, Captain America Civil War, Spider-Man Far From Home, Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor Ragnarok, rounding out the top 10 is Hawkeye, followed by Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, WandaVision, Iron Man, Ant-Man, Shang-Chi, Black Panther, The Avengers, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Doctor Strange, Loki, Black Widow, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Avengers Age of Ultron, Iron Man 3, Iron Man 2, Captain America, The First Avenger, Moon Knight, Eternals, Captain Marvel, The Incredible Hulk, Thor, and at the very bottom, at number 34, is Thor, The Dark World. So looking at the list, I can tell you for sure it's not in the top 10. Is it better than Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? Unfortunately, no. I absolutely love Guardians 2, and I think it's just a better film overall. Now, is it better than WandaVision? I think so. Elizabeth Olsen is phenomenal in the Wanda role, but the finale didn't quite stick the landing, which is a common problem with these MCU shows on Disney+. I'm putting Love and Thunder between WandaVision and Guardians 2. I love the relationship between Thor and Jane in this film. They have great chemistry on screen, even though we haven't had as much screen time together like we do with Peter and MJ or Tony and Pepper. But I still believe in their relationship. I love their back and forth, especially in the cancer scenes. Her death is truly devastating, which is something I can't say for every death in the MCU. Christian Bale is also one of the best villains in the MCU. He's up there with Thanos and Vulture. Bale did such a phenomenal job at being compelling, yet creepy as hell. Love and Thunder is one of the best projects to come out of Phase 4 so far, and I'm really excited to see it again once it comes out on Disney Plus and to own. You can find the MCU rankings and many more lists on both IMDb and Leatherbox. Just search for cinematic reviews.
Well, that'll do it for this week's new release. Join me next Monday for another brand new release. Also, tune in every Friday for the current season of Cinematic Reviews. Right now, I'm discussing the Mission Impossible franchise. This Friday's episode will be on one of my favorites, Mission Impossible 3.